turn to the book of Jonah once again. This thing turned on, Andy. Book of Jonah. That's where we've been. Okay. So, I've yet to get everything that I want to get ready yet for a lesson, but I did make progress. I actually have blanks in the PowerPoint, and see if we can guess the things. I don't have the handouts yet, so... By the time we're done with this thing, you'll have everything that I've been trying to do on this. So um, just bear with me. We're making progress. It's direction, not perfection, right? Um, so Jonah, um, chapter 1 again. So this is actually lesson 3 already. Um, lesson 3, um, the title of it is A Common Rebellion. It's kind of an interesting, interesting thought. Um, Jonah 1, verse 3, says, But Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord, and went down to Joppa. And he found a ship going to Tarshish, so he paid the fare thereof and went down into it, to go with them unto, Char unto Tarshish, kind of in the last few verses, kind of amazing statement, from the presence of the Lord. Kind of interesting, think about that. I know, it's just really easy to read stuff, but when you think about what you're reading, um, it's interesting. Uh, you know, it seems to be part of our human nature to ignore the sermon and wait for the siren. You know, man somehow thinks that he'll be the exception to the rule, or that God really isn't serious, you know, about, about his commands. And, you know, sometimes God will let us go our own way to teach us a lesson the hard way. Unfortunately, experience is not the best teacher, but the Holy Spirit is. <laughs> and ex but experience is a very effective teacher. You know, God's created us with the ability to choose. You know, while the choice is ours, is ours the consequences are not. On that, you know, lessons often learned in the school of hard knocks can have a steep price. They can become part of our permanent record. So again, thinking of the theme, a common rebellion, so some objectives to think about, to look at tonight. You know, rebellion is a part of our old sinful nature. I mean, just look at your kids. <laughs> look at our kids. And you see yourself, and you see, I see myself very much in, in those things. So understanding that, we really need to be very careful and evaluate the choices that are set before us on that. And realize that any choice that's made against God's plan will always bring us to ruin in it. So then the flip side of that, the challenge is to make wise choices that will bring God's blessing and benefit to us. So lesson three, a common rebellion. Now perhaps you've heard the expression, no, we're all different. But if you think about it for a second, the... Uh, uh, the, the title of the lesson, what's it called? It doesn't say a different rebellion, right? It says a common rebellion. 
you know, we are unique, which is in a lot of ways, which is a good thing, because if we were all clones of the same thing, life would be pretty bland, right? Variety is the spice of life, as they say, you know. But even though we are unique, we're still also very similar in our makeup as humans. What's one thing that everybody has in common? It's true. Think back to Genesis 1. There's a phrase that's made. We're all made in God's image. Think about that. Every human being is. But at the same time, we also have all sinned and come short of the glory of God. Now, of course, we all have a weakened, sinful flesh, and we all realize that. But we, at the same time, can also yield our lives to the Holy Spirit and have God's power working in us and through us. You know, this is kind of an interesting statement, but it's probably true. Think about it. You know, one of the reasons Jonah is such a popular character is that, you know, although we hate to admit it, we often see ourselves in him, you know. Now, re while rebellion can be a common human characteristic, the result of that is also going to be the same. So we should, was trying to learn some things from Jonah's mistakes, take a different course of action. So point number one is an attempt to, and I think all three, all three main points, they start with an F. They're all pretty short words, and that is the first one. An attempt, I did put animations on these too, so bonus points. An attempt to flee. Of course, we already read verse number three to start it there. No, Jonah rose up to flee into Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. You know, honest confession isn't our first thought when you sin, is it? Is that really what we think about the first time we do it? No, it's not. You know, our flesh always wants to find an excuse for it. You know, hoping that there's no ramification you know, for disobedience. But, of course, that's never the case. Someone has said, sin is the world's best detective. It always finds you out. Think about that. It's interesting. No, God says that you know, in Numbers. I think it's actually in the book of Numbers. No, be sure your sin will find you out. But sin is the world's best detective. It always finds you out. So point number A, subpoint A, there's two of these. Um, they all start with an H. Subpoint A. Starts with an H. A something inclination. I'll just start the. It's a human inclination. A human inclination. Of course, we when we think of this, you think of Adam and Eve, right? Very first, very first two people. In this, uh, in this world. The Genesis three seven to eight. Someone volunteer to go there and read. Okay, Andy. I go on there. Uh, Genesis 3, 7 to 8. Then I need someone to do Jeremiah 23, 24, Pastor, and then someone for Psalm 139. So those will be kind of in this subpoint or in uh, this point here. A human inclination. Genesis 3, 7 to 8. And the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and sewed fig leaves together, and made themselves aprons. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. 
You know, the first reaction of Adam and Eve was to run from the presence of God because of sin, right? You know, man, man has been running from sin ever since, from his sin ever since. The, an attempt to flee, we see it's a human inclination, but then we also see subpoint B, it's a something impossibility. Well, huge. The last word kind of is kind of a key to the second word. So if it's impossible, it's... Starts with an H. It is hopeless, a hopeless impossibility. Jeremiah 23, 24. Can any hide himself in secret places that I shall not see him? Saith the Lord, do not I fill heaven and earth? Saith the Lord. It's quite a question. It's kind of, I think that would probably classify as a rhetorical question, right? Like that would be something that God would ask Job, right? In, in the book of Job there, but this is in Jeremiah here, the same thing. And then uh, the psalmist actually asks a similar question in Psalm 139, 7 to 12. Whither shall I go from thy spirit, or whither shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me, and thy right hand shall hold me. If I say, Surely the darkness shall cover me, even the night shall be light about me. Yea, the darkness hideth not from thee, but the night shineth as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to thee. That almost sounds like, you think about that, someone trying to run from God, doesn't it? Like, especially a safe person, because it's like, it talks about, if I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, even the night shall be light <laughs> about me. Um, you know, of course, these teenagers you know, sometimes say, you know, when you're 18, you're gone, right? That's kind of the, the thought there. But, you know, you might be legally on your own, you know, when you turn a certain age, but where can you go that God's not already there? What, in what city, state, or planet will you live where God doesn't exist? And the prodigal son left home, but God never left him alone. You know, God was just as much alive and well under the bright lights of sin as he was back in the rules and regulations under his father's house. God was still there. So again, thinking of this as kind of all in an attempt to flee, it's a, definitely a human inclination, but it's a hopeless impossibility. So then point two, an alternative is not futile. It is what? It starts with an F. All the, all the main points start with an F. We had an attempt to flee, an alternative is, is found. Yes, that is correct. An alternative is found. It's interesting. So in verse 3, what alternative do we find for Jonah? In the middle of verse 3, we read these words, and he found a ship going to Tarshish. You know, Satan will always make sure that there's always a ship going the opposite direction of God's will for your life. Um, I've not, I've seen this somewhere, so I, but I don't 100% know for sure. I've just seen this. 
Um, anybody have an idea where Tarshish actually is? He's not Tarsus. He thinks Saul of Tarsus. That was kind of up in modern-day Turkey, Cilicia, but Tarshish. I think I've seen it's almost modern-day Spain area. So you think Israel? Where was Nineveh? If Israel's here, where's Nineveh? Nineveh's that way a long way. Tarshish was that way a long way. So Satan will always make sure that there's a ship going in the opposite direction of God's will for your life. He just happened to find a ship going to Tarshish. Frankly, he probably didn't care where he went. He was just going anywhere but there. He'll make sure there's lots of choices besides that of obedience. You know, and it's kind of amazing. We find it so coincidental that an alternative's there, you know, to what we're supposed to do. You know, and I do this, and I sh we're common, right? So I'm sure you do this too. We often can spiritualize the seemingly open door that's right before us, right? I mean, we chuckle because we do it all the time. You know, an alternative is found on this. You know, what did Eve reason? The forbidden tree, what did she say? They knew it was forbidden, but what did she say about it? But I guess Tanu doesn't say she said it about it, but she saw that it was good for food, pleasant to the eyes, tree to be desired to make one wise, right? No, Lot lifted up his eyes and saw a desert, and that's where he went, right? The plain of Jordan that was well watered everywhere you know, before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, even as the garden of the Lord. Isn't that interesting? Like the land of Egypt, as thou comest to Zoar, by Achan. Achan, or, uh, Achan 7.21. Joshua 7.21. Now, what was their command when they with Jericho? They were, they were supposed, they're not supposed to take anything. It was supposed to go where? It's supposed to be given to the Lord, right? They weren't supposed to take any, I believe. They weren't supposed to take anything, at least in Jericho. But what did he do? When I saw, when I saw among the spoils a good Babylonish garment, 200 shekels of silver, and a wedge of gold of 50 shekels weight, then I coveted them and took them. You know, Satan's alternatives are always attractive. For it's his goal to be the perfect counterfeit of Christ. Someone go to 2 Corinthians 11, 13 to 15. Anybody? Okay, go ahead, Andy. Now, it's interesting to think about, really, because, you know, often, like, well, it just looks so good, you know, the other option, right? Because it wouldn't be very attractive if it was, oh, honestly, not that, you know? But it's attractive because he's the perfect counterfeit to Christ. He tries to be on that. So 2 Corinthians 11, 13 to 15. For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. It's really interesting. That's in the context of like the false teachers, false prophets bringing in false doctrine. No. You're saved, so you can live however you want, right? That's attractive, isn't it? But it's counterfeit to what it is. 
So not only do we have an alternative is found, subpoint A here is an obstinate, these start with a D. Both of these start with a D. Again, think of Jonah. He made an obstinate decision. He made an obstinate decision. Now, when we make a decision that's in violation to God's will, we're really, in essence, saying that we're smarter than he is, which I don't think we would really ever say that, you know, but actions speak louder than words. Romans 9.20. Anybody? Can anybody go there and read that one? I need someone to do Romans 9.20 and then Job 9. Get Job 9 there. Okay. Uh, Romans 9.20 whenever you get there. Yes. Nay, but, O man, who art thou that repliest against God? Shall the thing formed say to him that formed it, Why hast thou made me thus? And then Job 9, 2 to 4. I know it is so of a truth, but how should man be just with God? If he will contend with him, he cannot answer him one of a thousand. He is wise in heart and mighty in strength, who has hardened himself against him and has who has hardened himself against him and has prospered. That last statement's interesting. Who hath hardened himself against him and has prospered? You say, well, what about such and such? Well, just think of Asaph, Psalm 73. I'm not, um, not going to go down that rabbit trail, but an obstinate decision. Then subpoint B, an opposite, an opposite direction. You know, in verse, it's interesting, the wording that's used you know, in, in Jonah here. You know, in verse 3, the Bible says that Jonah fled from the presence of the Lord. And it's kind of interesting that he... Did he go left or right to Joppa? Where did he go? He went down to Joppa. You know, any direction away from God's will is always down. And once you start heading down, the trip up is a lot more difficult. Because if you continue on in verse 3, he went down to Joppa. Did he keep did he go up after that? And he went down into the ship. And by the time you see him in verse 5, he's gone down into the sides of the ship. You just see him kind of going down, 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 right? Once you start going down, <laughs> the momentum is difficult to reverse. In this case, it took a very sick fish for Jonah to start heading back up. If you think about that, not only did he go down in the ship, he also went down after that, didn't he? Probably a long way down after that. Literally to the bottom, right? Literally, I think that's what it says there. He really went to the bottom. So not only do we have an obstinate decision in opposite direction, we, um, we have an attempt to flee, an alternative is found, and then last point here, an agreement on the... It's a short four-letter word, not something we use a ton today. But if you go, if you're going to ride a boat, you, do, you have to pay a fare, right? An agreement on the fare. This is interesting here. You know, once Jonah found an alternative, of course, as we already mentioned, the devil always makes sure there's a ship in port 
headed the opposite direction of God's will for your life. You know, it says in verse 3, did Jonah sneak him on this Jonah sneak onto the ship? What does it say he did? Did he kind of just sneak on in the midst of the cargo? He paid the fare. He paid the fare thereof. You know, none of us want to pay the wages of sin. We never we don't want to receive that, but we're willing to pay the wages to sin, aren't we? We don't want to receive it's like we don't want to receive the wages to sin, but we're willing to pay into it. We don't like it, you know, when the preacher tells us that there's a cost to serve God. But we're willing to pay the cost in the other direction, to run from it. Run from that service. So subpoint A, every decision has a... Oh, these all start with a P, sorry. Every decision has a, we kind of just talked about it, but think of a cost. Not payment, price. Every decision has a price. You know, think of David. Now, by the time you get to 2 Samuel 24, he's paid a pretty big price for things. You know, every time he disobeyed God, it cost him. Think of his seven-year-old son that died. Uriah, one of his mighty men, has died. His sons, at least two of his, two of his sons, had died. And then eventually another one would. And then for numbering the people, 70,000 of his men died. It's a pretty hefty fare. Pretty hefty price for that. You know, God instructs David through the prophet Gad, or there, to build an altar and then offer a sacrifice to the Lord. This is 2 Samuel 24 here. You're probably familiar with the situation. And the threshing floor, uh, this is Aruna, which is a Jebusite there, which is actually, anybody know where that was? We can remember back. Yes, I believe it was what would later become the Temple Mount, Mount Moriah. And if you can remember back the situation, the the owner Arauna was willing to give David. Remember, David came to him, explained what was going on. He's like, "Great, just I'll give it to you. Do it with you." He was willing to give it to him with the threshing floor, the oxen, the threshing instruments. But by this time. David has learned that every decision, both good and bad, has a price. So um, you don't have to turn there. And in verse 24, 2 Samuel 24, David responds this way to that offer to, okay, yep, just take it gladly. He says, And the king said unto Arun, Nay, but I will surely buy it of thee at a price. Neither will I offer burnt offerings unto the Lord my God of that which doth cost me nothing. So David bought the threshing floor and the oxen for 50 shekels of silver. You know, we all know that there's a price to be paid for sin, right? We know that. Been in church long enough. We know that, right? 
Now, the price often looks like a good deal, but the product you get is death from it. You know, you know the, uh, the verse, Romans 6, 23, the wages of sin is death, right? No, Jesus also spoke of a price, a price of service. Matthew 10, 38 says, you know, that he that taketh not his cross and followeth, he that taketh not his cross and followeth after me is not worthy of me. You know, often that price of service doesn't look attractive to us. But verses 39 and following speak of the product of that price. He that findeth his life shall lose it, and he that loseth his life for my sake shall find it. Someone go to Mark 10, 29 to 30. I don't need someone to do 1 Corinthians 10, 13. But he's got, pastor's got Mark 10, 29 to 30, 1 Corinthians 10, 13, Andy, and then 2 Peter 2, 9. So again, we're thinking of a price. Every decision has a price. Then Mark 10, 29 to 30. And Jesus answered and said, Verily I say unto you, There is no man that hath left house, or brethren, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands for my sake, and the gospels, but he shall receive an hundredfold now in this time, houses, and brethren, and sisters, and mothers, and children, and lands, with persecutions, and in the world to come, eternal life. And thinking of Jesus talking about there's a price. There's a price either way. And then the last sub-point here, this one, I will be very impressed if anybody gets this one. It's actually two words. Not only does every decision has a price, but every decision has a... It's actually two words. First starts with a P, the second one starts with an O. Let me just start it. I got it really slow coming on the screen. So I'll put it up there and see if you can get it before it gets there all the way. So every decision <laughs> Yeah, that was, that was a tough one. It seemed very random in the midst of all of them. Every decision has a price, but then every decision has a purchase order. And kind of where that's coming from is, you know, of course, purchase orders or POs, you know, are essential if an organization is to stay within you know, budgetary restrictions. And they, you know, enable businesses to make wise decisions with respect to money, etc., like that. You know, it's interesting you know, that God made people, human beings, with the ability to delay a decision, right? You know, animals don't have that capability. They just simply react to stimuli, right? They just simply react to a stimulus. You know, that's why a dog might even bite his owner, right? Because he doesn't have the ability to think through a decision before it's made. No, but God gave us that ability. He gave us the ability to think, to reason things out, not just instinctual and react, react to things. You know, temptation's a part of all of our lives, you know, of every person's life. You know, Jesus was tempted in all points as we are, according to Hebrews 4.15, but yet without sin. 
And by his grace and enabling, he gives us that same potential. Um, 1 Corinthians 10, 13. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape, that ye may be able to bear it. So uh, that, that kind of just hit me, thinking about Christ being sinless. He was tempted in all points, like as we are, yet without sin. And does that verse say, there's always the possibility, there's always the option, the decision there to not, and the ability to make it. Now the next time you know, we're tempted to live contrary to God's direction, before you pay the fare, stop and think for a minute. Because you're about to sign a purchase order for a product. What kind of product do you want? Second Peter 2.9. The Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptation and to reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished. Either way, you will pay. Make sure your decision is worth the price. Because it's really interesting. You know, you've always heard, everybody's heard the saying, you know, there's no such thing as a free lunch. There's nothing free. Think about it. There's not. When you think of decisions, nothing's free. There's always a price with whatever decision you make. So that's the goal of trying to get us to think. Before we sign that PO and send it, think about the price we're paying. Not only do we have kind of just re reviewing here, we saw in the common rebellion, we have an attempt to flee that we all go through. There's always an, an alternative to be found. And there's also an agreement on the fair. So you think of Jonah back in his situation. He attempted to flee, just happened to find an alternative, and he was willing to pay the fare for it. Think of our lives, decisions, stuff we'll face, well, stuff we face, stuff we will face. Same type of thinking and situation applies. The, the lesson next time, lesson four, um, let's give you a precursor, is called a countering rebuke. It's interesting. There's actually um, this particular writer here, the way he does the lessons, there's not like a lot of stories and illustrations and stuff like that, if, you, if you've noticed that. Um, now, but actually the lesson next time actually has two kind of really interesting kind of stories in them that are supposed to be true. So um, they're pretty interesting. They go right, they go along with the lesson pretty good. So a little bit of a teaser, teaser for that for next week. But let's go ahead and pray. Lord, we do thank you for all that you've done and thank you for the many ways that you have, that you've blessed us. And we think of the lesson um, this evening, that there's definitely a common rebellion that we're all part of or inclined to still. And there's always going to be, whenever we sin, there's an attempt to flee. Or it's very easy to find an alternative. And so many times we agree to pay the fare for something we don't want in reality. I ask you to, that you'd help us this this week to... Again, just kind of be remembering that every decision has a price. And before we sign that PO, 
just think about what we want, what product we're getting from it. And please help us this week to, um, as we go through things and make decisions and go through temptations on things, Lord, that you'd uh, um, help us to look for that way out that you've given to us and that we would listen to you in that. And be with us and bring us back again safely on Wednesday. In Jesus' name, amen.